Hey, welcome to the Life 2.0 podcast. I'm John St. Augustine. This is the Memorial Day episode. Time to go up the down staircase in the outdoor, make sense out of the senseless, if at all possible, find the obvious buried in the absurd. Let's go. Thanks for joining me one more time. Full disclosure here, kids, as I always do, I had to totally redo the first part of this show because in my energetic lapse, I forgot to turn the microphone on. It was effing brilliant stuff coming out of your host. And I happened to glance up and it says, you're on mute. And maybe that's a good thing. Got all this stuff out of the way that I guess didn't need to have to happen or be heard. And I think the other part of this is, is because I don't like doing this show. This is Memorial Day. And another full disclosure, there's nothing happy about this. This three-day weekend wouldn't even exist had not thousands of military personnel given their lives. The first Memorial Day was shortly after the Civil War. And at that time, they actually closed businesses to go out and decorate the graves of the fallen. Can you imagine that happening today? No mattress sales, no tire sales, no extra 10% off for the Memorial Day, pre-Memorial Day, post-Memorial Day, and on Memorial Day. What a bunch of crap. I'll not change that, that's for sure, but I just want to state my case right up front. It's crap. You really want to show some respect and you really want to do something with this, close your business for the day. We are closed in remembrance for those who gave their lives. You'd have my business double if somebody did that. And the other part of this is, while I'm on a frickin' roll, which I didn't talk about the first time around, is that these businesses that stay open and sell mattresses, tires, and every other thing we can get the rest of the year, but apparently we need to do it again on Memorial Day, how many of them are actually giving any portion of their profits to the Gold Star families who've lost family members or the veterans or anything like that? I haven't done any digging on that. I should before I go too far. But I'm guessing not many. I'm guessing not many. This show is uh, a cobbled together with some audio from episodes that I did in 2019 and 2018. Uh, conversations I had with uh, two men who lost their sons in the war. And I, I, you know, I've had this audio sitting here for a couple, three years now. And I keep moving it around and what can I do with it? There's really nothing else I can do with it except just run it as it was because what they have to say is timeless and it matters and it just needs to be heard again. Um, matter of fact, the this is my fifth year anniversary of doing this podcast. I've been in radio 25 years. Never thought I'd be doing anything like this. To me, radio was you go to the studio and you go three hours a day live. This podcasting thing is a really interesting adventure, that's for sure. But it's a five-year anniversary, the first show that I ever did was on Memorial Day back in 2018. And my first guest at that time was my friend and, and former teammate, uh, football, semi-pro football, which is really semi-parole football, Greg Daniels, who lost his son Nick in the war in 2011. And uh, it was a conversation he and I had at the bar that he owns with his wife Debbie called On the Rocks, 2104 North Harlem Avenue in Elmwood Park, beautiful downtown Elmwood Park, and stop it and say, hey, Augie said, give me a beer. They'll charge you for it, but at least you'll get a beer. Anyway, that was the first conversation I ever had on a podcast about Memorial Day. I've included a bit of that conversation a little bit later in this show. And then after that, in 2019, 
I spoke with Brian Jopek, who did serve in the war and whose son, Ryan David, was killed in action in 2006. And I met Brian through Greg and Debbie and the Internet Landfill of Facebook. We've stayed in touch on and off ever since. And he talks about that experience for him as a veteran of combat and how it was to and still is to deal with the loss of his son these years later. So I've included both those clips in there. And I think it just kind of says it all. It really just says it all. These two men and their, their families, a suffering loss that most of us can't even imagine. So let's run those and I'll come back on the other side and finish this up. Brian Jopek is joining me. He is uh, on staff as a writer at the Lakeland Times. Brian joined the Kansas Army National Guard and in 2002 he was transferred to the Wisconsin Army National Guard. He deployed to northern Iraq in 2004 as a member of the 139th Mobile Public Affairs Detachment to i He was again mobilized in 08 and sent to Guantanamo Bay. He was medically retired in 2011. His son Ryan joined the Wisconsin Army National Guard in 03, initially served with Troop E, 105th Cavalry. He deployed to Iraq in 05 with the 2-127th Infantry Regiment of the 32nd Brigade Combat Team, and Ryan later volunteered to go on a convoy security mission to Mosul, Iraq, which we still hear about. I don't know why, but we do in the news. And during a convoy back from Mosul, his vehicle was hit by an IED, and Ryan passed away on uh, 2 August 2006, just two weeks before his unit was due to head home. And I met Brian in the virtual landfill of Facebook, which is where you meet a lot of people these days through Greg and Debbie Daniels, who you will be hearing a little bit more about Greg later in the podcast. But we've gone back and forth for uh, about a year and a half now. Some of it has to do with uh, a truck we're going to talk about a little later and Walter Payton. But Brian, thanks for taking the time out on a busy day uh, at the Lakeland Times. Yes, I'm, I'm glad to be here. That was a very good answer. <laughs> yes, I'm very glad to be here. Um, you know, I, yes. I, there you go. Again, uh, you know, as one veteran to another, uh, I thank you for your service and, and, and all that you've done and you continue to do. And deepest, deepest condolences as a father uh, who, of a boy, I, I can't even imagine. And as I said to you before we were even hitting the record button, that uh, there's, you know, when you get on Facebook, everything's very sanitized. You can put up a, a, a deeply emotional post, and you do quite often about your son and other things that are going on, and either you hit a like, or I leave it blank most times because I don't have the words really to address all that. Do you find it cathartic to, to, to put out so much into the world like you do? Does it help you in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, it does. Um, probably drives people some people up the wall after a while, but uh, no, it, I find, I find it, uh, therapeutic. Mm. Um, and I've found over time that, uh, people have relayed to me, uh, whether it's someone who, someone else who's, uh, lost someone in, in a, in a war or whether it's a friend who's lost a kid to an illness or a car crash or, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that sort of thing that uh they appreciate that I'm able to that I'm able to convey what I'm feeling um uh so I you know I throw it out there on Facebook on my Facebook page and people um some people read it and they take it in and other people scroll right past or <laughs> you know or they, they hide it whatever cuz yeah. you know cuz some, some people just don't want to be they don't want to deal with it. 
And so, so in a, just a few I'm minutes sure. after this conversation, and I, the, the second podcast I did last year was with Greg Daniels, and we were at his bar. And if you ever get over mm-hmm. this, have you been to his bar? It's a good bar. No, I haven't. Uh, I I haven't been down there, unfortunately. At, at some point, I will. I've told uh, I've told Debbie that uh, Greg's wife, and I'd get down there at some point. Well, I just haven't had the opportunity yet. Well, they got good bourbon. You'll enjoy it. It's a, it's a, it's a good thing. But, but, well, that's good. Yeah, the point was, and they're bear, and, and they're and they're Bears fans. Then they're Bears fans. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But but the the thing about it is that in that conversation, that bar would not even exist had their son not been killed in action. And I I, I know you know this, but one of the most riveting parts of that conversation I had with Greg a year ago was the fact that. You know, uh, he was talking with his boy out in front of the place. It was called something different at that time. And his son said, hey, if anything happens to me, take the death benefit and buy, buy a bar. And they ended up buying that very bar where they stood out in front. And that's, the kind, mm-hmm. of, that's kind of the, the full circle stuff that I think makes what happens there even more important. So you lost your son as well in action. He's been gone since 06. I think in the, the concept of this, this podcast – of Memorial Day and remembering just everybody, everything, the news cycle moves on, but someone who loses a son or daughter in combat, that never moves on, does it? No, no, it, it, uh, it doesn't. And anytime, anytime I hear about another loss in Afghanistan or, you know, in Syria now or what have you, um, I, you know, I just, automatically think um about that family that i mean i I think about the process you know because even as i'm reading whatever uh facebook blurb from the department of defense that that says a troop was killed in afghanistan whatever uh and they hadn't released a name at that point i i being somewhat familiar with the process from both the personal uh standpoint as well as uh, being in, uh, involved with military public affairs over the years um, as I'm reading that I'm thinking those those folks just they're either they either just got the knock on the door or uh, they're about to mm. or someone in their family I mean that's that's the sort of thing that I that I think about mm. Um, or at least the first, you know, one of the first things I think about every time I read something like that. Um, and just, you know, to this day, it just, uh, it hits me that way. They say, I I think about, I think of those families and what, what they're, what they're going to endure and what they will continue to endure. They say it's an honor that nobody wants, which is that gold star designation and, have you found as, as as challenging as this is for you, even though there may be some, oh, I don't know, I guess virtual therapy and putting it out in Facebook and connecting with other Gold Star families, it's almost like, uh, you know, the, the history of that designation uh, is so deep and so vast. And yet the, it, it, in some ways, I think, Brian, it's like we should be able to figure this stuff out without having to lose our sons and daughters. And that that's not the case. It's still happening today. Because you have, right. because you have such a unique perspective, not only as someone who served in the area and and being a journalist, uh, have you been able to 
connect with other Gold Star families, and if because you know they're gonna having some experience like you have, have you been able to connect with some of them? And how does that go? Well, it's uh, like like most things; it's a case by case basis. I mean, um, I I have connected over time with with some of them. I've I've got a few of them on my uh, on my Facebook uh, as Facebook friends. Um, uh, whether it be uh, I got. I've got people on my Facebook. Uh, one of them is the daughter of a troop that was killed in Vietnam in 1968. She was just mm. a baby. Mm. Uh, I've got Gold Star dads. I've got Gold Star moms on my Facebook. Um, Gold Star siblings. Uh, from uh, Again, mostly I got the, the one from Vietnam, but uh, most of them are from uh, the Iraq, you know, post-9-11 era. Mm. Um, and I, some of it for me is just a personal thing. I, I, I'm just, I, I, I'm a rarity in, in that, in my case, I was the only person to my knowledge still in uniform who had served in Iraq, who in the national, in the Wisconsin army guard, who lost someone in Iraq. I, I'm not, to this day, I'm not aware of any other person who had had that you know so-called distinction Mm. um but and i think i think that kind of ties into another aspect to the whole gold star thing and why there are you know why there are, are so many people that that aren't aware of what that gold star thing is about the gold star pin the gold star flag um, you see gold star plates on people's cars. I mean, I've, I've had people, I've got gold star plates on both my vehicles and I've had people ask me, you know, what, what does that mean? And I just tell them sometimes it just comes down to education. Um, most of and the I time. think most of the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. I, but I think as far as the gold star stuff goes, you're right. It does. It does have a history. It goes back to, uh, world war one and, of course, with uh, then World War II, you had just over 400,000 U.S. military personnel lost in that conflict, and there were gold star banners, gold star flags, and in so many windows across the country, mm-hmm. as well as Blue Star. The Blue Star designated a loved one in a combat zone, right? And then, unfortunately, many of them turned into gold stars. But because there were so many of them, you know, you don't. I, I think, you know, back then people understood, but as the years have gone on, um, we haven't had a conflict like that one. Uh, I mean, you had Korea and then you had Vietnam, uh, Vietnam was so political that people that lost troops over there, some of them, a lot of, and I've heard stories about how people didn't dare display gold right. star banners in their windows for fear of vandalism or what, you know, getting rocks thrown through them or whatever. So the whole, the whole gold star thing over time has just kind of, uh, faded. It's made somewhat of a rejuvenation, you know, with the, in the post nine 11 era, but it still, it still takes a lot of, uh, education and that's, I don't get mad at people any uh, anymore uh, when they don't know what it is because I've come to realize that. 
Right. World War II was 75 years ago, and a lot of time, a lot of water under the bridge, and it's just a time, uh, a lot of it's just a time thing. Um, people just need to be educated, I guess. You know, you've brought the education well, word up about six times. That is the ongoing buzzword of the day. <laughs> no, seriously. And, and if you're, yeah. well, and I, you know, there's a, my, my big saying is that, ed, that expectation and reality rarely lines up. I expect people to be smarter than they are, and they're not, for the most part. And I hate to say that, but, you know, I'll, yeah. spend, I'll spend, I had to cut back. I don't want to be the, uh, the Jim Rockford of the Internet. I don't want to go around telling people, quit putting up false information because you didn't check it out. I don't know where we got so lazy. Stuff just gets passed around. And one of the things that, that I've noticed that you do a lot of is in the educational sense and again, on one hand, it's like, oh, I'm glad people are thanking us for our service, but it's not Veterans Day, it's Memorial Day. It's a different Correct. thing. So let me just state the case here that it's been all over the intranet. And one of the things Brian is kind of uh, harping on, as he should, Armed Forces Day is the third Saturday of May. We've already had that. Those are for mm-hmm. people who are currently wearing a uniform. Correct? Correct. Veterans Day is November 11th. Those are for people like me and Brian who used to wear the uniform, correct? Correct. And did so honorably. Yes, sir. Add that one in there. Yes, sir. And Memorial Day, which is what we're talking about now, which is the last Monday of May, are for those who never made it out of the uniform, correct? Correct. So why do you think in this 21st century, because we have so much information and technology at our fingertips, that people confuse this? Because I don't know. Well, I, I think, again, some of it is, well, let, let me, I'm going to use this uh, as an example. Uh, there's a ceremony uh, down the road here in the town of Harshaw uh, at a cemetery. They do this every year. And it's been going on. This will be the 14th year for this thing. And in their advertising for it, they never once mentioned Memorial Day. <laughs> Really? Uh, it's, uh, it's pegged as, it's, uh, uh, pegged. It's, uh, sold, whatever you want to call it, advertised as honoring our veterans. <laughs> and it's one of the, it's one of those ceremonies where, uh, they play, they'll play the service, uh, the, each individual service branches song. Mm-hmm. And the MC will say, well, ask the veterans in the audience to stand and be recognized. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's not what it's about. I mean, even, even the, uh, well, even I've even seen this on PBS's on the national Memorial days, uh, ceremony. I've seen it. I've seen him do the same thing on there. And I'm like, no, that's not what it's about. I am not what it's about. Right. That's a different thing. Uh, veteran, I mean, grandpa that served in the U.S. Army Air Force in, during World War II and B-17s and whatever, and survived the war like I did, like, my, like I survived my war, came home, he got a good job, he got married, he had a family, had a nice, he ended up with a nice life, uh, you know, passed away, um, that's Veterans Day. That's right. He was able to come home and do all that. He is, and now the official designation for Memorial Day is for people like my son 
and Nick Daniels and yep. all the others like 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 them who didn't come home alive. Okay, or anybody else who still in the service. Uh, they they modified it a few years ago to you know people who died in training accidents, that uh, sort of thing. Okay, that's I mean the official. Now I know I re, I understand people are going to do whatever they do on Memorial Day. They want to go, they want to go to the cemetery and and you know pay their respects to Grandpa or what what that's. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, but it's, I'm talking about the official designation. Yeah. yeah, who it's for, and it's not. For us, Correct. it's not for the us veterans who made it back, uh, made it back alive. It, it's, it's just two totally different things. Listen, Veterans I, Day and Memorial Day. I can hear your voice going up a little, couple octaves. <laughs> yeah, it's and, and, well, this time of year it gets a little. I know it I, gets uh, a little frustrating. I don't know. You know, again, there's another leverage point here. Yeah, it, I, I don't. Yeah. Again, it's it's frustrating. Uh, it's just frustrating how people just don't get it. Uh, but again, I, I try to I try to educate when I can. Yeah. Uh, I to you. just to let people know that, look, uh, it's not. I mean, I don't I don't mope around my house twenty four hours a day and all that stuff. I mean, I do have a I do have a life. I do have things to look forward to. I've got you know right. grandkids. I got yes. a fourth one coming. Uh, I, you know, I, over time I've learned to laugh again and yeah. joke again and all this stuff, but Memorial Day is not happy. It's not something, I mean, as far as, it doesn't mean you can't have a, you know, can't be at the, can't barbecue a steak and, and that sort of thing and happy in that sense. But as far as like greeting someone like, you know, Merry Christmas or whatever, it's, it's just, Right. It's not. Uh, it's not happy. <laughs> it's just my son died in Iraq, and what? what uh, do I go to someone's funeral and say happy funeral? Right. Right. No, I don't. <laughs> I <hear laughs> don't do that. Well, there is that's some, pretty classless. Uh, there is something I know that does make you happy, and this is what you and I actually connected over originally. So Debbie Daniels, mm -hmm. uh, who's been giving me rations of shit since I played semi-pro football with Big Greg many decades ago, at least she's consistent. Mm -hmm. She just keeps serving it up to me. She started telling me about this truck, this pickup truck. And we went mm -hmm. back and forth on that and come to find out that that pickup truck that your son had and, and, and really was his project has something to do with Walter Payton. Correct. Uh Walter is a 1966 Chevy half-ton pickup truck that when Ryan was 14 years old, we were living in southeast Kansas. But it was 2000. He turned 14 in 2000. He had some money burning a hole in his pocket from <laughs> delivering newspapers and mowing grass and that sort of thing. And he asked his mother and I if he could buy, you know, get a vehicle. And, uh, well, because he, he just got his learner's permit and, we were like, eh, you pay for the insurance and you pay, I mean, pay for the vehicle and whatever. Yeah. So he and I got to looking for something. And at first we were looking for 67 to 70, 72 Chevys or GMCs. And mm -hmm. where we were down there in Kansas, those, those things were priced way out there. And, uh, then we ran across this, uh, friend of ours had a, had this truck. Uh, Don worked for the city of Chinook, Kansas. Uh, the 66 Chevy was his 
daily driver. He drove it back and forth every day to work and home and then back home. Had been in his family for over 30 years. He bought a 96 Chevy pickup truck, and he was looking to get rid of the 66. So one day, Ryan, his brother, and I went over to Don's house, and the truck was parked in front of the house. And Ryan took one look at that thing and says, Dad, I want that truck. And we got to looking at it, and, you know, it had the, you know, it had stuff like uh, um, vice grips for door handles and, you know, th- th- that sort of thing. You know? Perfect. perfect. It, was in, it, it, was in, it was in pretty good shape. It was a Kansas truck. It was in pretty good shape uh, overall. Yeah. But uh, it had stuff like that, and then it had the plastic seat covering with the big hole in the, in the middle. And then later on, when we moved back up to Wisconsin, and he went over to see his my mom and dad over in Antigo, Wisconsin. Over in um, Antigo, Wisconsin. Oh. Antigo, Wisconsin. Awesome. He he drove over there. He drove over. This is a couple of years later when he was 16. He went over there for a visit. His grandma, my mom, needed to go to the library. So Brian says, well, Grandma, I'll take you in, in Walter. So, um, and so she gets in and she sees this big hole in the seat <laughs> and she says, Ryan, there's a big hole in your seat. He says, and she said, he just looked at her with a big smile and said, grandma, that's my cup holder. <laughs> so it, it was just, the, the truck was his baby. Uh, what happened was truck got the name Walter because his mom just started calling it Walter because I'm a big bears fan. Uh, of course it rubbed off on Ryan. And these days, it, it, uh, his brother, his little brother, Stephen, is a big Bears fan. Mm-hmm. Our dad was born, in, my dad was born and raised in Chicago. Um, so obviously rubbed off on me over time. Yeah. So that's how, that's how the truck got the name Walter. Uh, and it is for Walter Payton of the Bears. And so last oh. year, uh, it was around this time last summer, I believe, was I was, I've known Jared Payton since he was a little kid. And I believe... I don't know if he ever made the call. I gave him your number. Did he ever actually call you? He he called me and I he left me a message and I called him back, but we never we never reconnected after that. All right, well we're gonna have to. Uh, but he 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 did he did tell me he did say thank you for uh, basically the sentiment regarding his father and all that stuff. Yeah, so good stuff. I still have I still have actually I still have uh, Jared's voicemail saved <laughs> on my phone. <laughs> his dad, I, I got to tell you. His dad, I I watched Walter Payton from the time he was a rookie up until the time of that last, uh, the end of that last Redskins game in 80, 80, early 88, that mm-hmm. playoff game, whatever, mm-hmm. when he when he sat on the bench all dejected and everything. Because, yeah. you know, he was going to call it a career. Mm-hmm. And I just, um, I had I had the pleasure of being at, uh, I was there for, the two times where the Bears have shut out the Packers at Lambeau, twenty-six to nothing. <laughs> the first time was in the '77 season, and Walter ran for two hundred five yards, and then Party pulled him in the third quarter. <laughs> and then a couple of weeks later, of course, he broke the record, the single-game rushing record against the Vikings. How- but he probably could have—he probably could have done it against the Packers of the day I was there at Lambeau. And then in 2006, in the fall of 2006, I was at Lambeau with. Had my uh, other boy Stephen with me, and the Bears shut the Packers out twenty-six to nothing. Then, so I've been to the Lambeau both times. So how much <laughs> how much crap do you put up with living in Manaqua, being a Bears fan? Oh, always. I <laughs> put up with. I, I've I've I'm a 
I've been putting up with anti-air stuff since <laughs> I was a kid. So they just, they just load the truck up and back up at your front door and dump, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, on that, that's a good note. It's a good note to leave this on, this conversation. I, I have been heartened by all the posts that you put up. I look at them, as I said, and I, I just absorb it. I don't make a comment one way or the other. I don't know what that feels like for you. And I'm glad that you do it. I'm glad that we've gotten to know your son, Ryan David, through these posts. And uh, I, I, have, I, I, I don't even know what to say. Even, even talking to you, I don't know what to say. There's no button for it on Facebook. There really aren't any words. Uh, I just thank you for, uh, for what you do and how you do it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this and uh, giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. All right, John. Take care, Brian. The very last thing I want to do is edit anything out of that conversation because it's too important. And it's not easy. It's not easy. You could be a hard-bitten war veteran and have gone through the ringer like Brian has, but to talk about losing your son, that's not something that's very, very easy at all on any level for any parent. So I say thank you to him for taking the time to do that because I know it's not easy. And what you're going to hear just a few minutes of that I've pulled from my interview with Greg Daniels from last year. Uh, Greg and I played semi-pro football together a very long time ago. He's a great guy. And the story about how he uh, came to own this bar that has become a gathering place for us over the years is, uh, is touching. It's fascinating. And I thought it would be something that was almost in some way, shape, or form, a bit of a, a, a counterbalance to the difficulty of losing their son, Nick. Every time I come in here, and every time I see Nick's picture, and with his platoon, and his foot, all these guys that come in, this place has become, like a lot of places, I would guess, has become a bit of a safe haven and a sanctuary for, for that kind of process, for those thoughts. I mean, I walk in here, I know what I'm getting into with Greg Daniels, and it should be this way, but it should be this way in bigger context, you know what I mean? I don't know a whole lot to say about it. I mean, but that was, uh, I'll tell the little story behind the bar. Now, the, the whole reason we purchased the bar was Nick's request. Uh, the Thursday before he deployed, we stood out actually right in front of this bar. It used to be called Eileen's at the time. And we're out there, we're having a cigarette because, you know, our government decided you can't smoke in bars. And uh, he's like, hey, Pop, something happens to me. I want, you know, you, Debbie, Uncle Joe, and Aunt Cheryl to take the money and buy a bar. I was like, kid, I, I don't want the money. Said, no, no, Pops, don't worry about it. I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. About two minutes later, he's like, but if, it, if something happens, that's what I want. Right outside this place. Literally standing. You right know, there. Ten feet from where we're sitting now. Hmm. And what happened to my son happened, and about four months later, you know, I finally was able to somewhat function. I came out. First place I came to was here. I was talking to the previous owner. This friend of mine, he passed away a couple years ago. And, I, you know, I told him the story. And he's like, wow, it's kind of weird. I was like, what's that? He's like, uh, my wife's having back surgery. I just find out, found out I have to sell the bar hmm. because I can't take care of her hmm. in the bar. Hmm. I was like, okay, well, give us a number. So yeah. he gave us a number. Me and, Joe, me and Joe got together, and I guess the rest is history, I guess. So those four months, that gap, which is it a blur? Is it there's no thought about from the time you heard the news about Nick till you step back in this place those four months? Do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, no, I mean, it was we didn't watch the news. We didn't watch the television. We watched Cartoon Network. Mm. You know, it was just, it was just mm-hmm. basically there for background noise. Yeah. And, you know, the first few months, you were, 
I don't know, for lack of a better term, like the center of attention. Everybody was calling. Everybody was coming by. And then, you know, everybody's life paused, you know, for when Nick was killed. And then they started moving on with their life. Well, ours literally stopped. You know, I didn't realistically go back to work for almost two years. Yeah. Because it was really tough. That's where my son came home to. They were going to fly him home on uh, Coletta Air, which is a cargo company. Yeah. I'm like, no, nah, my son's not cargo. I said, I work for American Airlines. I want him to come home on a revenue flight. Yeah. They were able to do that. Yeah. And I, I'm thankful for that. But it was still very difficult for me to go back to work. Yeah. You've been back now. So that was in 2011. So that's yeah. seven years ago. Yeah. Um, and, and when you went back to work... And you eased because I remember when you were weren't working. I'm like, Man, the guy's been off for a long time, and and I don't even know how you how all of you start to function again. Did you find this place, and did you find work to become a place once you started coming in here more and more to be good for you, or was it hard, or both? A little bit of both. There's you know, certain you know, it's like anything. Like when we'll say like if you when your mother passes, there's certain times, you know, certain moments, certain holidays. You know, because that was the other thing. My mother passed away two months after Nick. Ah. So, realistically, I didn't get a chance to grieve for Nick yeah. before my mother passed. Yeah. You know, so there again, it was just... Now, going back to work, it was weird. There's, you know, the guys, I, I've worked there 32 years. Because you're an airline mech, right? You do yeah. work on the planes, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so you basically work, have worked with the same group of guys because it's a seniority-based operation. And... You know, some guys come up, talk to you like nothing happened, which is kind of what you wanted. Other guys would avoid you because they didn't know how to approach you. And then guys that you didn't really see eye to eye with would come up and try to be your friend. And, you mm-hmm. know, you're kind of like, well, dude, you didn't you didn't like me before. What makes you like me now? Right, right, right. You know, but, you know, it's that's probably the most awkward thing is people didn't know how to act. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always told them, pardon my French, I'm the same asshole I was before. Mm-hmm. You didn't like me before, don't like me now. Yeah, yeah. As long as I've known Greg and Debbie, and we're going on decades, I, I still don't know how they open the door to that place and walk in and, and, and do it. On one hand, it is a haven for those who need it. A lot of Marines in there, a lot of guys that Nick served with. I'm surprised they let a Coastie in there, but I appreciate it. They probably charged me double for these beers. I better check on that because I'm not a jarhead. But anyway, uh, wh- whenever I go in there, it is like an oasis. There, there's something special that happens there when you go in and they hold that together. It's just, uh, it's an incredible thing. Uh, lost for words, lost for words. Every time I drive by there on Harlem Avenue, I'll, I'll snap a salute because the Marine Corps flags out and the American flags out and, and, uh, I'll send a text to Greg and say snap salute. And he usually sends back things that are really interesting that I really can't share with you here in the, you know, in good taste, let's put it that way. Uh, but they are near and dear to me. And uh, the words he had to say five years ago about how this is and how it sits with him and his, the rest of his family is just, uh, it's, just a, it's just a weight that, that never goes away. And Brian, talking about that Walter Payton thing with his truck, with his son's truck that he now takes to the car shows and all like that. Um, after that interview, I'm not really sure how much longer after that, but I believe his son won tickets to a Bears game, or or Brian won tickets to a Bears game, something like that. And when I found that out, I was able to get a hold of Jarrett Payton. And Jarrett met them outside of Soldier Field, and they were able to connect and talk about the truck and Ryan David and 
there's some great pictures of them there. And I thought, oh, that's like full circle stuff. It's great stuff. And so in all of that, there's such great difficulty around these conversations that at times I'm at a loss. I truly am. And that's not easy for me to do, meaning I usually got a pretty good handle of what I want to say and how I want to say it and what kind of point I'm trying to make. But all I know is today is nothing good. It's not a happy day. It's a day of loss. Those Gold Star families don't go around saying happy, you know, Memorial Day to each other because it's not what this is about. So if you do nothing else, remember that that's really the crux of all this. And before I cut you loose, I just wanted to mention four names uh, and two of them we've already heard from. But let me go back to Don Sansone, USMC killed in action in 1967 by small arms fire. Don went to the same high school I did. He was 10 years earlier than me. Everybody there knows his name. His name is also on the uh, Bulldog Memorial plaque for Schur's High School that we, we have. We bring out every year at a big event. And uh, Don was just 19 years old. Kurt Duncan was a U.S. Navy corpsman. And he served with my cousin, the Sarge Rich Hoffman, 9th Engineers 1st Marine Division. And Kurt was killed by a landmine. And he was 21 when he died in 1968. On April 24, 2004, while serving as part of the Coast Guard Patrol's Forces Southwest Asia aboard USS Firebolt, Petty Officer 3rd Class Nate Bruckenthal, who was a damaged controlman, and two U.S. Navy sailors were killed in the line of duty while conducting maritime intercept operations in the North Arabian Gulf. Uh, Bruckenthal and six other coalition sailors attempted to board a small boat near the Iraq oil terminal. As they boarded the boat, it exploded. Bruckenthal later died from the wounds he sustained in the explosion. He was the first Coast Guardsman to be killed in action since Vietnam. For his actions, Bruckenthal was posthumously awarded the Bronze Star Medal with Combat V, and Nate was 24. We've actually uh, named a cutter after him, the Coast Guard has, called the Bruckenthal, and that's where that comes from. Lance Corporal Nick Daniels, USMC 3rd Combat Engineer Battalion, 1st Marine Division was killed in action on November 5th, 2011 in Afghanistan. Nikki was 25. And as I mentioned, as I mentioned, Sergeant Ryan Jopek was assigned to 2nd Battalion, 127th Infantry Regiment. He died August 1st, 2006 of injuries sustained when an improvised explosive device detonated near his convoy in Tikrit, Iraq, and Ryan was 20. Remember them today, lest we forget. <laughs>